0: Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming out today. Um, man, we're we are. We are uh, it's it's tough this whole whole uh, snow thing. Getting through this winter. I don't know, but I'm getting tired of it. Um, today it got so bad. Today, uh, the plow truck got stuck in my driveway. Like literally 40 minutes, I was sitting in my driveway waiting for a plow truck to get pulled out by a plow truck. It's bad. Uh, there's snow. It's over my head. I mean, you know, the snowbanks. It's, it's bad. And so, uh, yes, we need warm weather. We need, uh, we need this this weather to change. Looking very much forward to spring. And uh, uh, boy, it's going to be good to get outside when there's no snow on the ground again. Amen. So, um, if you were here last week, I know I know that there was uh, a limited amount of people here because of the weather. Once again. Um, I shared a story, a, a personal story, about how I ran smack dab into the love of the Father. It, I was totally unsuspecting um, this this occurrence. I was not expecting it at all, but um, I found myself at a service. It was a conference, actually. And this guy was speaking about the love of God. And, you know, um, I, I ran smack dab into... This, this God, this God of love, this God of love that I had not known before. Now, mind you, one thing I did not say last week is this, that I had been in ministry for several years. In fact, I was even on staff at Faith Chapel when I had this radical encounter with God's love. I, I, was, I was working as a youth pastor here at Faith Chapel, and I had um, this awesome encounter with God's love. So I believe that God's got more for us. I believe that God wants to do awesome things in our lives, and and, uh, I shared briefly, well, just briefly, this is what I shared last week, that um, this guy was just talking about how he had discovered God's love in in a new dimension, in a new way, and there was this altar call, and I found myself at the altar just weeping before God, just broken, Um, you know, one of the things that I think we all need to come to realization and, and honesty about is that we're still broken, You know, we're still in the process of of God doing things in our heart. You know, we're not done. I don't think we're ever done uh, with that. And we've got to go through the process of being open to God and letting God speak to us and do stuff in our hearts. So I found myself at the altar just weeping before God, and he just did some great stuff in my heart. I got up changed. I'm still different today because of that one evening. You, You never discounted an encounter with God. In fact, that's something that we should be going after God. Come and come and wreck me. Come and do something in my heart. Come and reveal stuff that's hidden, stuff I'm not aware of. Come and reveal your love in a new dimension. Do some things in my heart that uh, that need to be done. Because you know, I could. I went into that conference that day. I'm I'm good. I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm passionate about Jesus. You know, I was I was there because I wanted more, right? And boy, did I get more. But sometimes we think that we're okay. Sometimes we think that everything's okay, and then we have this encounter, and God says, everything wasn't okay, but I'm helping you, helping you get okay, you know? And, and so um, I, just love, I just love how God operates. He, he wants to do stuff deep in our hearts. He's an intimate God. And I began to think about um, the, the, the story of the prodigal son. There's, there's a father, there's a son, and then a younger son who took the inheritance and ran off. And then there's an older son. I began to think about this. This older son lived in the father's house and remained unchanged by the father's love. That tells me that we can, we can attend church. You know, we could be doing the right things. We could be going through the right motions. We could have the right friends. We could smile when we need to smile. We could say the right thing when we need to say the right thing. But in reality, we can still, sitting here today at this very moment, remain unchanged by the Father's love. Or at least to the degree where he's got more to do and we're not really open for him to do that more in our lives. And so uh, as that, that older son began to open his mouth, he, he began to reveal things like, I feel abandoned. I, I feel uncared for. I feel like you favored someone else instead of me. Here's this guy who lived in the father's house all his life, and he felt this way. And it just tells me that, you know what, in this place, it's okay to be broken and want healing from the father. It's okay to to realize that we have needs um, and come in and and be be asking God, God, would you begin to do some some stuff deep in my heart? It's okay, all right? We we don't have to play a game. We don't have to pretend, right? Especially with God. We need to be open with him. Because um, John Eldredge says it this way. He he wrote the book uh, Wild at Heart. He says, inside many men is this father wound. But I believe that, that it's, he was writing a book to men, but the same applies to women. That there's a, there's a wound that's there that only the love of the father can heal. Um, and so we're going after that today. We're going after uh, just, just seeing how much God loves us. Because I discovered uh, things that day at the, at the altar that I had not known that there's safety and security in the love of the Father. That, that you know what, all my striving, all my, all my accolades, all the things that I, I uh, pushed so hard for and strove for, I really didn't need to because I could rest in His presence. And so today, um, I, I, don't know, I don't know who God is to you. I don't know um, what God is to you. But for many, He's separate. He's distant. He's, He's a far-off God. But I want to talk to you this morning about the intimacy that God desires to have with every one of us And so I want to look in Galatians chapter 4 And we'll start in verse 4 Galatians 4 verse 4 If you don't have your Bibles, which I always recommend you bring Because I always give you things to highlight And it's always good, it makes you look spiritual If you have a lot of stuff highlighted in your Bible You know Like, if you ever see someone, there's stuff written everywhere. They're like, oh, my goodness, that guy's way more spiritual than me. I'm just just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, no, uh, I I like to give you things to highlight, to circle, to focus on. So when you come to this passage again, it'll immediately jump out to you. It'll stand out to you, and you'll be like, yes, I do remember. I remember that. So here, uh, I'm going to read the passage, Galatians 4, 4 to 7. It says this, but when the set time had fully come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Very, very powerful passage, very deep. We're just going to look at a couple aspects of it today. Um, verse 4, it starts off, it says, but when the set time had fully come, apparently God has this, ca- this calendar up in heaven. You know I, I don't know, I don't know how he does this, but there's, there's this perfect um, kairos moment, this ultimate uh, uh, climax of time where God says, now I'm going to send my son. So the set time had fully come and God sends his son. And interestingly enough, it says this, and you can circle this. God sent his sons. So, so here Jesus is um, fully God because he's the son of God. But then it goes on to say born of a woman. So, and he's fully man, fully God, fully man, Jesus Christ. Um, he, he sent his son, uh, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, um, Paul was Paul was writing to these people that he uh, he had founded this church or churches in the area of Galatia, um, and he he had spent some time with them, but he moved on as was typical of his missionary journeys, and he moved on. And very shortly after he left, he had proclaimed the gospel, established churches, established leaders in these churches. But fa- very shortly after he had left. The region to move on to another area, these people came in and beginning began preaching a false gospel. They were called Juda, Judaizers, and these Judaizers were preaching that it's not just Jesus; it's Jesus plus something. It means Jesus, he's saying Jesus. They were they were teaching Jesus plus circumcision. Like you, you can't be a Christian and not be circumcised. Or Jesus plus the law. Yes, we accept Jesus, but Jesus plus something. And Paul's saying, listen, if anyone comes preaching anything beyond what we, what we proclaim to you as the gospel, let them be accursed. And he said it twice, two sentences back to back. Let them be accursed. And so he was like, he was frustrated. He was vehemently uh, opposing these Judaizers because they, they were teaching a false doctrine and leading the people that he had won. To the Lord astray. And so that, that's the setting. The setting is these people were trying to say Jesus plus something. And, and it just reminds me, you know, we can, we're, we're not stuck in that day. We're not stuck in, in, in a time where uh, the Judaizers, Judaizers are around, but there's people around that will try and push religion on us, religion that is not uh, fully biblical. And, and I want to just say this about that. Religion, you got to be very careful because religion is man's attempt to get it right before God without transformation. So it's about them doing something. It's very typically an outward, it's always very typically an outward uh, thing that the focus or the emphasis is on to look good on the outside. We don't want to get caught up in religion. We want to focus on relationship. And, and so um, in verse 4 Uh, Jesus was sent by God, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those under the law. Now, thankfully, we're not under the law. But in reality, if we were to be totally honest and transparent, in some way, shape, or form, um, we've all broken the law. We're all lawbreakers. We've all broken God's commandments. Um, In fact, all throughout Scripture, there's this emphasis. We're presented with the idea that God... Uh, has a law, and we have all broken it. We're all lawbreakers. You know, um, I'll just give you an example in just practical terms. Like Harris Road here, like when it's clear, it's a good road to drive fast down, right? <laughs> see, see, the law in that day was put in place as, as a as sort of like a babysitter, if you will, or it was put in place to keep people in check but really had no power to transform lives. It had no power to transform the inside of people. And and so um, back to the the speeding thing, like many of us would say, or some of us, maybe few of us would say, I really don't think there should be a speed limit on certain roads because it's a country road. I like to drive fast, but the law was put in place to curtail the sin uh, of speeding, Okay, in this case, speeding. So, um, you know, maybe you don't think think there should be a law about speeding, but that doesn't matter because if you break the law of speeding, it doesn't matter if you agree with it or not, you're going to get in trouble. Ultimately, you're going to get caught. And interestingly enough, you can drive down some roads and be over the speed limit and drive by a police officer and not get in trouble. I'm not advocating this, (laughs) but, but what I'm saying is this. The law is meant to curtail... A, a violation of the law or curb lawlessness. So you could, if you're going five miles an hour over the speed limit, the likelihood of you getting pulled over is pretty slim unless you're in like a construction zone or a school zone. If you're a teenage driver, don't listen to me right now, okay? <laughs> but w- But what I'm saying is this. I'm trying to point out something about the law. It's in place to curb lawlessness or curtail lawlessness. So when, when there's a speed limit of 35, if you're going 95, that's a major problem, right? Most people don't go 95 in a 35. But, <laughs> but a lot of people will go 37, 38, 30. That's still speeding, right? But see, the law was put in place to curtail lawlessness. So it slowed you down, didn't it? A lot of times when you see a speed limit, you go around the speed limit, Right? You go near the speed limit, and you don't typically uh, get pulled over unless you're going excessively over the speed limit. Um, in my house, there's some laws. There's some laws, and if you violate them, there, there's, there's a price to pay. And, and so just like in God's law, whenever we break God's law, it creates this debt-debtor relationship. That means that I owe a debt to the person whose law I broke. Does that make sense? I owe a debt to the person whose law I broke. So if you're in my house, and, and this is like one of those pet peeves. I, there's a lot of people over my house a lot of times. And if they leave a mess that they made, you've, you have violated a law of my house. And there is a debt that you will pay. And doesn't the Bible say something like, uh, vengeance is mine? Something like that. So so anyway, there's this debt debtor relationship when you break the law. The same pertains to God. Whether, wherever there's sin, uh, a law has been broken, and this debt debtor relationship exists. The Scripture teaches that the same applies. These kind, uh, I'm just using sort of keeping it light a little bit with the speeding and in my house. But the same applies when we break god's law something happens between us and god there's a debt that needs to be paid does that make sense we become a debtor we owe him something because of the sin in our lives all right so so verse five goes on to say this if i can find it here verse five i've got so much writing in my bible this is the downfall of writing in your bible you can't see the numbers To redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So I want you to look at that word redeem. Redeem. Redeem is a powerful, it's an awesome word. It means to buy back, to pay for, or to trade. To buy back, to pay for, or to trade. So in essence, Jesus' death on the cross was the payment for the sins that we committed. When we broke God's law and we became a debtor to God, we we owed him, uh, we owed him something because of our sin. Jesus's death on the cross became the payment, or the redemption for our sin. And, and I want to go into that just a little bit. Like, uh, you know, that sin. There's nothing that we could have done to pay him back. It was so there. W- there's nothing we could have done. It didn't matter how many animals we sacrificed. It didn't matter. There's there's no way to deal with that sin. So, have you ever owed in a natural sense have you ever owed someone or something so much that you couldn't pay it back maybe maybe it was like you're growing up and you want to buy the car right but you 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 got taken advantage of you take out a loan and and you realize shortly after you lose your job there's no way I'll be able to pay this back or maybe for you it was a house and you just you got in so deep there's no way in the world you could pay that thing back, you you got in over your head. So you know, um, or maybe for you, you started a business and you're just going under because you can't pay that debt back. Does this make sense? Like, hey, I don't know if this has ever happened to anyone. Don't raise your hands if it has. I'm just trying to I'm I'm trying to uh, help you relate to what I'm talking about. But you racked up a debt that it is impossible for you to pay back. This word redeem. It says this, to redeem those under the law. So whether you're under the law or whether you're not under the law, we needed to be redeemed. And you may be in this place today and you feel like you owe God something. You owe God a debt. Maybe last night, maybe yesterday you did some stuff, you messed up, there's sin involved. And Paul understands that there's a debt in, in the Christian life that cannot be paid. It is impossible to pay back because of sin. And he's saying that Jesus came to redeem us, to redeem us. So when Jesus came and died, when Jesus came and died, he redeemed us from the law so that we are no longer under the curse of the law, where the law can no longer condemn us. I hope this is making sense. You need, you need to get this. So, so even though we are lawbreakers, it's like God and Jesus together are saying, because of the law, you are guilty, you've broken the law. You're guilty, and the finger's pointed at us. Um, but even though the finger of guilt is pointed at us, then they say, now go free. You don't owe us anything. That's being redeemed. He paid the price for us. Isn't that awesome? Like, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes we, we forget that we don't owe God anything because of Jesus. Jesus. It's amazing now I don't think i've given any new news to a lot of you today and you're thinking okay Is this all you've got today? No, actually this is just the appetizer Um, but you need you need that as a foundation in your life. We we all know this We all know that jesus paid a price for us. If you don't know it you you need to know that that you can't earn god's forgiveness and the reality is that that your separation from God can only be dealt with and fixed because of Jesus Christ and what he's done. See, he redeemed you. He bought you back. He paid the price. He traded his life for yours. That is amazing. So, so um, like I said, that's just the appetizer. Unfortunately, though, that, that, that is a place that m- many believers, many Christians stop at in their walk with God. They stop there. I, I gave my life to Jesus. I, I received his forgiveness. And that's like the gist of it. They, they you know, maybe they, they do good things. They serve in the church. They attend church. They give to the church. You know, they're good people. But, but God has so much more. God has so much more for us. And we stop at the place, the transaction. We, we, the transaction. God swipes the credit card. Your debt is paid. He, he took the, the holy credit card and paid our debt and taken care of. We don't have that debt anymore. But we stop there and God's saying, I have so much more. So that's what I want to talk about over the next few moments, okay? In verse 5, verse 5 ends with some very powerful words. Um, right here it says this. It says, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Say the word Adoption. Say it again, adoption. When we think of adoption, we think of this cute little baby and, and this perfect couple. You know, maybe you've got this picture in your mind. That, you know, you, you've got this couple have been waiting to get a child and, and, and they adopted this baby. Or maybe they adopted a child from overseas, a, a young child from overseas or a young, uh, a young family of children from overseas. And, and this is not the picture that Paul is trying to paint paul paul 's pulling this this uh, this word picture from his back pocket, and he 's saying that there you need to see what God has done for you um, because in that day the first century Roman culture adoption was radically different than adoption in this culture and, and so the people the readers of that day paul 's audience of that day would have been would have had their mind blown by these Next few words, to receive adoption as or to sonship. Their minds would have been blown. And here's why. In that day, they adopted adults. That sounds really weird to us. It's a concept. It's a cultural difference that we, we really don't understand. But, but in that day, children, uh, there was a high infant mortality rate. I, I, saw, I saw some statistics as high as 40% of the children in that day that were born died. Very high infant mortality rate. Um, so, so there was this adoption of adults, and I'll explain that to you. Rich, powerful, wealthy people would adopt adults. Uh, especially when they looked at their children, their heirs, and said, I can't pass on the family legacy, the family name. I, I, can't, I, I don't see the potential in them that I see in this individual. And so I want to adopt this individual into my family to take on my name, to take on my legacy, and to continue with whatever work I've started. And, and so here's a few examples. Julius Caesar... He adopted his great-nephew, Octavius. Octavius, at that point, was 19 years old. He became Caesar Augustus. So Julius Caesar adopted uh, Octavius. His name changed to Caesar Augustus, and he was the emperor during Jesus' birth. He was adopted, 19 years old. Now, Caesar Augustus uh, adopted his, his his wife's former husband's son. His name was Tiberius. And Caesar Augustus adopted this guy named Tiberius when he was 40 years old. He adopted him when he was 40 years old, and Tiberius was the emperor when Jesus died. It was a very common thing, especially for the rich, the wealthy, the powerful people of that day to adopt adults. So, just to get this out of the way, if there's any rich, powerful, wealthy people... I'm up for adoption. I would would entertain that. Seriously. Just just come talk to me after. Well, uh, I I swear I'll I'll carry your name on well. I really will. So so Paul's audience, their mind is blown because it's very likely that their mind is blown about this concept of adoption because um, Jesus came to give us the right of adoption into sonship with God Almighty. Now, keep in mind, these people would have, adop- would have adopted only because they looked at their heirs and didn't see the qualities they felt needed to be there. They weren't trustworthy. Maybe they didn't have the potential, the wisdom, the acumen, whatever it was to succeed and make their name great, to carry on that legacy. But these readers in Galatia are hearing about this adoption concept and they're looking at themselves and we should be looking at ourselves and say, wait a second. God's calling me into his family to adopt me as his son, but, but I'm not trustworthy. I probably, I don't really have much potential. There, there's not much future for me. I'm, I've, I've failed. I'm, you know, I, I've I'm messed up. I've got my issues all together, but God is saying, you know what, Lynn, I want, I want you in my family. I want to adopt you I, I want you john in my family you know marla i want you in my family I, I want so so in instead of bringing the best of the best he's bringing the weak the broken you know he's bringing people in because he says I, you will i will make you great and you will continue my name because i've adopted you as my son and my daughter adoption is such a powerful powerful concept um so, so, But this, what you need to see is this. It was not simply a legal transaction. It was purely relational. It, it was God's desire to say, I want to build my family. I, I want this family to be close to me, I- intimate with me, trusting me to make them great. Uh, allowing my power and my name and, and my goodness to flow through them so that they could be, so they could be used by me to make my name Great that is the concept that these people reading paul 's audience were reading, thinking, Oh my goodness, these people they aren 't trustworthy that god 's calling into his, their family that they, they don 't have potential they're, they're not they haven 't made their name great they're, you know um, but he 's saying, Come, I want you in my family that 's the biblical concept of adoption, purely relational. I want to finish with this this last thought there 's so much more and we 'll We'll cover more of this passage next week. But verse 6, it says this. So uh, verse 5 ends with that. We might receive adoption into sonship. By the way, um, and there's this whole list of, of things that happen when someone's adopted into a family. But one of them is that they become heirs just like natural born children. See, God has called us to be heirs uh, you know, he, he's brought us into his family, adopted us into his family, and we receive the rights, the same rights as a child as Jesus did. Uh, that's powerful. We, we could talk about that a long time. Jesus, the sinless one. Jesus, the one who did exactly what the will of the Father was. And because we've been brought in, you're, you're thinking, how could that be? I mean, come on. That, that is the power of adoption into God's family. To all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. And Jesus went about, it it talks about him doing good and and, and all this stuff. But what he came to do, besides destroy the works of the devil and, and give his life as a ransom for many, was to make his father known. He wanted to make his father known. And one of the key things that has to happen before uh, he made his father known was he had to know his father. He had to know the great love of his father. He had to know, you know how when people are so close to each other that they almost can finish each other's sentences, that like my wife can give me a look and not say a word and she's told me a, a book, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like, that I'm talking about that kind of intimacy, that we know our Father that way. And He's inviting us in deeper. He's inviting us into a relationship. He's inviting us in to get past the, 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 the perspective that God is distant, that God, that God is, is separate, that God is, is angry or frustrated with us. He's, he's, um, he's challenging us to get past that so that we can really encounter God's love. And that, so that we can understand what it is to be a true son and daughter of God. I, I don't think we, we have that concept down too well. I, I think that we, we need to, we need to um, have revelation and, and encounters to, to, first of all, experience it so that we can know it and know him as to what he's done. But verse 6 says this. Um, be, we'll, we'll continue on with this passage next week. Verse six says this, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Abba, that word Abba is an Aramaic word. If you're here in the first service, I took a moment and shared a little bit of it last week, but it's an Aramaic word that means something along the lines of daddy or papa. And when, when, um, When the Bible was being translated, instead of using literally daddy or papa, they they kept that Aramaic word Abba in the Bible. Because because the translators felt like it would be the best fit to describe this intimate intimate word that Jesus used, and now Paul is using about 50 years later, uh, maybe 30 years later. But Jesus used this word in the garden. He's at the garden. He, he separates himself from his three, his, his inner circle of three disciples. He said, stay here and pray. I'll be back. And he goes and, and begins to um, pray to his father, his daddy, his papa. If this cup, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Like one of the most intimate moments of his life, he's referring to the father, father God, as daddy. When I think about my kids there's a time that they use dad and it's usually dad i need dad can i I need ten dollars dad can you can you take me here can my friend stay here but there are moments in time glimpses when they say daddy and to me those words are vastly different i remember when my daughter was nine or ten years old she, uh, she was getting babysat and, and a dog bit her um, in, on her left cheek really bad. We were in Rochester at the time. And um, we, we end up driving back and getting her to the hospital. And, and I remember Aaron saying, this, this was actually very interesting because I was trying to encourage her, but she says, Daddy, it's going to be okay. Because you know what? They had to bring a, a, a stretcher out for me when they started poking her with, a, you know, painkiller and stitching her up, I literally had to lie that They brought a I'm not joking. They brought a stretcher for me because I thought I was going to go down. <laughs> but but the, those those times, those intimate moments where it's not, you know, and sometimes we, we refer to God as, you know, you know, God, I, I, I need you to answer this prayer or God, I, I need you to forgive me. God, I need you to provide for me or heal me. But there's times that that God is is, um, more apt to respond, I believe, to the intimacy of a relationship that he so desires with his kids. When we could say, honestly, daddy. Now, we could throw that word around very loosely and really not have a relationship still. But what I'm saying is he's calling us to a greater level of intimacy. So instead of God, I need or or uh, Father, I need. We can get to the place of saying, Daddy, I, I, I'm I, I need I need you to move in my life. I, Daddy, I'm broken. So we go from transaction. Remember how we started off today, the transaction of redemption, the transaction of Him taking away our sins, and to intimacy to the depth of a relationship that's that's where he's calling us to a depth of relationship with him and like i said that day that i found myself at the altar weeping before god i didn't know that there was something lacking i didn't know that there was something missing in my life but i discovered what i believed about him that day to be not true I had believed that he was distant. I had believed that he was relatively uninterested. I had believed that he had done what he needed to do for me through Jesus and I could praise Jesus and love Jesus, but I had an issue with the Father. And I'm telling you today in this place, the Father wants to bring healing to hearts. He wants to break down barriers. I believe that today can be a monumental day that you look at uh, back on February 22nd, 2015, for the rest of your life and say, I got the breakthrough that I needed with intimacy with my father. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've stopped being satisfied in that relationship. I stopped uh, being satisfied with a transaction with God that said, I'm okay. There's gonna be a day I'm gonna be in heaven and realize that he has so much more for us. And I'm pressing in, I'm pursuing, I'm hungry because I, I just can't, I can't stay where I'm at because I know that there's so much more to discover. And I believe that there's people in this room that even today, whether it be from experiences you have with your own personal dad, or maybe it be the way you view God, or maybe it's just you're saying, you know what, I want more, and I don't know what that looks like. I don't even know how to articulate what it is, but I want a a fresh touch from God in my life. And today we wanna pray for any person that would want that. I want to invite you to make this place an altar up here to say, you know what? I I need healing in my heart. I want God to do something deep in me. There's brokenness there, whatever it is. I, I, I probably won't even describe half of the needs in this room, but I believe that God wants to move. I believe that God wants to break down barriers. I believe that God wants to heal broken areas in hearts today. He says that he gives us his spirit. He put his spirit in us by which we can cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy God. And so I wanna invite you to stand to your feet. I wanna have the altar ministry team come. We'll have uh, pastors and leaders here. But I believe God wants to do a deep work in your heart. I'm finishing early to give you time so that you can receive ministry, get a fresh touch from God. Maybe you're here and you're just feeling empty and you just need a fresh touch from the Father in your heart today. Come on up. Come on up. Hallelujah. It's time to go deeper. It's time to to stop being satisfied with the transaction and say, no, there's more. There's more. I want to know the depths of this daddy God. I want to know him for real. I I don't want to play games anymore. I'm not going to be satisfied where I'm at because there's more, and I have been satisfied. Just come and let, let the Father touch you today. But for those who are ready to go, let me just pray for you. You could be dismissed, but I would ask that you leave quietly. I believe God's doing some stuff in people's hearts today. And so maybe you don't feel bold enough to come up. That's okay. Sit where you're at and just let God touch you. Let God minister to your heart today. Father, I bless you. God, I pray that what you've done in me, God, you'll do in every person in this room. I pray that you touch them deeply, that you minister to those areas of wounds and brokenness, Lord. That you reveal yourself for who you are. Lord, as Jesus knew you, we want to know you. You've called us your heirs. Lord, and we have the same right in the family that Jesus does because of what he's done for us. Father, today I give you praise. I bless you. I love you. Touch your people deeply, 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 deeply. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, if you could